3: Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guiltiest Charge podcast. My name is Steven. I am the host for this podcast. And with me, as always, is Jason. Jason, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. I had a fantastic weekend. Got to visit the Sierra Nevada, got to see some sequoia trees. They're humongous. It was not, it didn't
3: seem real. It was like I was in a constant dream. It was lovely, though. Uh, how was your Steven? I was pretty good. You know, everything is opening back up here. Thankfully, the gym is opening up tomorrow, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, But back to some football news. You know, we have a very fun episode for you guys today. Uh, As many of you know, Jason and I do write for Bolt Beat. That's kind of how we got to know each other and and had this idea for the podcast. And so today we have four fellow writers of Bolt Beat with us, and we're going to have a little discussion about some Chargers football. Um, I'll pass it over first to Jason Reed, who is our I guess our boss, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our site expert, I guess is, is the correct term, right?
4: Yeah. I'm the, well, I'm not even technically the site expert. I'm a junior editor for fan Cited, So I guess I'm okay. the acting site expert, but, um, gotcha. yeah, I pretty much run the show at bolt beat as of right now, you know, writing three articles a day and editing everything, running social. Um, it's been fun though. I've been a charger fan my whole life and I just recently got to take over bolt beat. So it's been awesome. Engaging with all the Charger fans and whatnot.
3: Absolutely. Writing for fans, fanside in Bowlby has been a super fun experience uh, for all of us. And I, you know, it's been a good way to make some friends. And, you know, I met up with uh, one of the other writers who's here with us, Tyra Gallagher, at training camp last year, which was a really cool experience. So, uh, the first question I'm going to ask all the writers here today is just kind of uh, your story and how you became a fan of the Chargers. You can talk about you know, Tyler Schooner, our old host mentioned, you know, how fantasy football got him into football. And then that just kind of trickled down to being a fan of the Chargers, but just your story of how you became a Chargers fan and Jason Reed, we'll start with you.
4: So I don't really have a cool story. I wish there was like one moment where I could look back and be like, that's when I became a Charger fan. Um, my dad was a Charger fan. I followed my dad with sports. I'm a Dodger fan too. Some followers of Bolt Beat know that unfortunately. (laughs) Um, but he grew up in San Diego. He wasn't a Padre fan because they sucked when he grew up. So he was a bandwagon Dodger fan as a kid. Um, and then a diehard Charger fan. So I just remember as a kid, I really got into it 2005, 2006. I loved LT as a kid. And one of my first football memories is uh, Nate Kading missing the kick in the divisional round. And my dad literally Oof. throwing the house phone across the street <laughs> the neighbor's yard and breaking it. So, Oh, man. <laughs> but that's how I got into it, my pops.
3: Good old Nate Kating man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So one of our other writers who's doing a lot of work for us right now is Alex Insdorf. Alex, how are you doing and how did you become a Chargers fan?
5: Uh, good. Yeah. Um, I became a Chargers fan. I, I grew up in Philly and New Jersey, so that's not a hot spot for Chargers fans. Um, but yeah, so uh, as many people, not many people, but some people know that I'm a Eagles fan and I also just got attached to watching this uh powder blue team uh, with, you know, this Philip Rivers quarterback. I got really attached to Philip Rivers, um, and that kind of was my – he was my gateway drug uh, into this experience <laughs> known as go. the Chargers. Um, and so, yeah, so, no, ever since 2007, 2000, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, I've just been a Chargers fan really, you yeah, know, since then. Um, yeah, and I also like the Eagles, but, yeah, we won't talk about that so <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for another episode or another <laughs> you can go
3: right for whoever does fan-sided for the yes <laughs> all right tyler gallagher i mentioned you already how you doing and how'd you become a chargers fan
6: doing good thanks for having me Stephen and jason um yeah so unlike the other jason reed uh, i actually have a good nick Kading story but so i'm originally from northwest georgia um not many chargers fans there either But I always had family in San Diego just kind of bothering me, sending me some Chargers gear now and then. But in 2009, which is a pretty darn good year, I went to a week 14 or 15 game, I think. It was Bengals at Chargers. And it was basically like a game to decide who would become the number two seed in the AFC. And, man, that was just the peak of LTE, Phillip Rivers. The first guy I saw touch the ball was Darren Sproles. He had like a 50-yard kick return just an electric guy and last drive was chargers driving it up halfway down the field. Nate Kading drilled a 50 plus yarder for the win. So that game sealed it for me.
3: Nate Kading was great during the regular season, just not in the <laughs> postseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Continuing that chargers tradition, unfortunately. All right. So our last one here with us is Faustino uh, repping the bolts down in Mexico. Faustino, how you doing? And, and what is your Charger story?
2: Hey Steven, I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, So my story is pretty similar to Jason's. Uh, My dad's been always a a Chargers fan. I think he spent some time in San Diego and he always talks like uh, how he liked to watch them Fouts as a kid. So around those six, when I was a kid myself, uh, I started watching games with my dad and it was pretty easy to like the team, you know? LT Gates, Rivers.
3: Super cool, I think all of us kind of, well, except for Jason, my co-host, all of us kind of became Chargers fans right around the same time. And a lot of that had to do with LT, which is is super fun to hear. Yeah. So just moving on, we're going actually going to start some good discussion now. Uh, the first question we're going to ask, and I'll ask my co-host Jason to, to start us off with this one, your favorite and least favorite edition of the off season. That can be draft or free agency. You know, that you feel free to talk about what you like about this player or what you don't like about this player. Uh, hopefully, hopefully there's not too much overlap and we, we get some, some of the same names, but your favorite and least favorite edition of the offseason, Jason Vallier.
1: My favorite edition is probably going to have to be it's close between Kenneth Murray and Chris Harris, but it's going to be Chris Harris. Okay. And the reason being is you're watching an NFL Hall of Famer on the other team in the division, the Broncos, for so long, and you just you know this guy is gonna be a Hall of Fame corner. And you're thinking all the time, man, imagine if this guy was a Charger. This guy is insane. There's no way he'll ever be on my team. And all of a sudden, you know, this guy is on your team. And right. from the moment they announced that Chris Harris was going to be signing with the Chargers, I was like, what the hell? That's, <laughs> that's not right. That's, that's a lie. But it, it was true. And, you know, there was I loved getting Kenneth Murray in the draft, but there was nothing quite like that feeling I got that feeling of like revenge on the Broncos when the Chargers signed Chris Harris. I was like, yeah, screw you Broncos. And you know, of course there's that really happy feeling of, wow, we got this legend on the Chargers. Now we get to root for this legend. Now that we haven't really gotten to root for. And that's just a really cool feeling as least favorite. Um,
3: say it. I know you want to say it just go for it. Ah,
1: uh, you know, I do want to say it. I do want to say that
3: hold
4: back.
1: <laughs> the, the particular person, but I'm going to switch it up real quick. And Well, I'm going to switch it up just because I've been, you know, I've been really hard on Justin Herbert, I feel like. <laughs> and so I really just – I want to cut him a little bit of slack here, and I'm going to say Joshua Kelly. I okay. didn't get it, especially after the trades. I didn't get the value there. I didn't understand it. And it doesn't matter if you like Joshua Kelly as a player. I'm not too high on him, but I, I do have hopes for him. It just doesn't make sense to draft a running back after giving up that much capital prior to doing so. They didn't have a, well, they did kind of have a second round pick. They used it to jump up to the first, but after not picking for the entirety of day two, you've got to really nail the value there. And they didn't, I don't think with Joshua Kelly, regardless of whether you like him as a, a player or not running back just doesn't have the value. It re- it really doesn't. So that would probably be my
3: least favorite addition. Yeah, it's totally understandable. And, you know, we, we talked several times about Joshua Kelly leading up to the draft. Uh, so, Mr. Reed, your favorite and least favorite additions of the offseason?
4: Well, before I talk about that, the Joshua Kelly thing, I completely agree. The one thing that saved it for me, though, is the value they got later in the draft, especially with K.J. Hill. I feel like they kind of balanced it. Um, you know, if they would have messed it up and not drafted a receiver later, I would have been in the same boat. Uh, favorite selfishly I would say Joe Reed just cuz he's a uh, Reed number 12 my favorite there number. Go. There we go. Um <laughs> realistically I'd probably say Brian Bulaga, just because I'm sick of seeing our quarterbacks get sacked 50 times a game and that'll help finally get right. an established tackle. Least favorite I mean Tyrod Taylor's not an answer because he was already on the team. Uh I guess the most boring would probably be Alohi Gilman. Um Just because it's kind of a boring pickup, you know. I'm not really. You had
1: to throw the the Taylor hate into there. You had to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The hardest part about this is last week interviewing my guy Marcus Whitman, and then him also trashing Tyrod Taylor. I'm just like, oh my god.
4: (laughs) Uh, We could save the Taylor talk if you want, but yeah, there's not really any addition that. that I don't like. So I guess Gilman's just kind of the most boring. So he'll be my answer.
3: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And we will talk about Tyrell Taylor in a minute. Uh, Faustino, your favorite and least favorite additions of the offseason.
2: So there's a lot to like this offseason, but my favorite, I think it's Tri Turner. I mean, we had to give Russell Okung away, which he, he's a great player at a very important position. But still, Tri Turner is way younger. And he, he comes from five straight Bowls, I think. And I just think he's a, a great fit at what the Chargers are trying to to do an offense going forward. It and is really... favorite. I didn't want to say it because I've been spending, you know, all these weeks since the draft trying to convince myself Herbert is, you know, the, the real deal. But I don't like him. I, I just think he's not the future. And if I could go back to April, I would uh, do things different. But we got to trust Tom Telesco. Obviously, he knows a thing or two more than, more than us. So let's hope it
1: pans out. It's really easy to forget. That Trey Turner was actually one of the offseason acquisitions. So yeah. I always forget that because you got the draft and you got free agency. I forget that they traded Okun for Trey Turner. So I wasn't expecting anybody to say that. So
3: yeah, that was a good addition for sure. Tyler Gallagher, your favorite and least favorite editions of the offseason?
6: Yeah. Uh, favorite for me is pretty easy. Brian Balaga, Iowa. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> $10 million a year. That's just an absolute steal. Dude's a stud. Uh, I know there's some injury risk, but. I mean, come on, when you can upgrade that side of the line so much for that value, it's just fantastic. And this is really nitpicking, but for my least favorite, I'm actually probably going to annoy Jason by saying Chris Harris. I love stealing him from the Broncos. I know he's a good player right now, but what else could you do with 10 million a year? He's on the wrong side of the 30. He's displacing Desmond King. Like, I don't know. I feel like we really need an outside corner. I know he can play that, and I think he can definitely do it better than the guys we've got there. But, I mean, sounds like the plan is to play him on the inside, and it doesn't sound ideal to me. Not a positional need, really.
3: Yeah, that, that was an interesting one. I'm all for bringing in the Broncos legend, and I think he's going to do very well. Um, you know, Desmond King did regress a little bit, so I can understand the move. But I agree. I think, you know, that money would have been better served for a guy like Desmond Truffaut or or Trey Waynes or someone on the outside to replace Michael. No, it (laughs) would. Sorry, Jason.
5: Sorry. (laughs) Um, All right, Alex, your (laughs) favorite and least
3: favorite editions of the
5: offseason. My favorite edition is honestly not Tom Brady. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. uh, I mean come on I'm paying you know 25 30 million for this you know geriatric quarterback he he's not good anymore uh he hasn't been good since 2017 but um seriously I think I actually like Linval Joseph a lot um just because I think he is uh younger than Brandon Meebane was I think he's more effective at this stage in his career than uh, Brandon Meebane was so um Yeah, I think he's actually going to help a lot. And, you know, maybe he'll draw some uh, double teams. And then, you know, that will free up uh, Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa a little bit. Uh, As far as least favorite, uh, I kind of got to agree a little bit with Joshua Kelly. um, Just because that fourth round pick, it especially hurt me that uh, Troy Pride was taken with the next pick. And he was one of he was one of my draft uh, favorites. Yeah. but um yeah so Joshua Kelly probably for me uh, but I you know I got to interview Joshua Kelly and he was really cool um but yeah just the fourth round pick in uh, value uh, didn't totally fit for me uh, yeah it was it
3: was confusing and then you know thankfully like Jason Reed mentioned they saved it with KJ Hill I honestly think that was really like the saving grace of that day three uh, I think Joshua Kelly is gonna be a fine player but just the way that the running back position was going during the draft, I didn't love that in value either. Uh, I didn't. I didn't mention this to you guys earlier, but I'm kind of throw this just as a wild card question. Uh, obviously, we know Kenneth Murray is going to be like the most impactful rookie. But besides Kenneth Murray, which rookie do we think is going to be bring the most impact on day one this year?
2: Hmm.
1: Probably Reed. I I would probably say Joe Reed. Um, Mainly just because King took a big step back as a returner last year, especially late last year. So no matter if Reed wins the wide receiver three spot or not over KJ Hill, he's still going to have an impact on the team. And, you know, he's just an amazing returner. He's a very physical player. And he reminds me a little bit of um, Washington out of Oklahoma State, I think it was. He went to the Steelers. He reminds me a bit of that, where he's got this stocky running back build, but he plays receiver really well. And he knows how to work the sideline. He knows how to manipulate angles wherever he is on the field. And I just think he's going to – I think that was a home run pick. I honestly do. I I wasn't huge on it. I wasn't super impressed when it first happened. But the more I watched him and the more I, I studied his game, the more I appreciated his style, the more I appreciated him as a person as well. He's a really good dude. And he has the funniest stories with like the frog catching thing. I don't (laughs) even know man. East coast people.
4: Yeah. I like his gadget play uh, potential too. That's something I keep talking myself up on. Cause uh, I don't know. I just hope they get creative offensively. I mentioned it in the Slack too. I want to see them use Easton stick somehow. I I still don't understand that draft pick if they're not using him in some capacity, but. Right, that's just me. Use a fifth round pick on a quarterback that's never going to touch the field when you have, you know, you already had your backup last year in Tyrod. So
1: there are kind of a lot of but... Easton Stick truthers out there. Surprisingly,
4: oh, yeah. it's <laughs> so a Twitter nice. account dedicated to it. <laughs> There's like they'll three or four dedicated to it. They'll get
1: pretty <laughs> mad yeah. if you talk down to their guy. They love <laughs> their Easton Stick. He's an ex Carson Wentz, don't you know?
2: Oh,
5: gosh. <laughs> All right, um, well. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, you know, if we're talking about day one impact, in a way, it might actually be um, Joshua Kelly, in a way. Uh, I know that might not seem super conventional, but Eckler and Jackson, sort of, uh, Eckler especially, close to the goal line, uh, hasn't been uh, super great. You know, there have been a couple fumbles, so it wouldn't surprise me if Joshua Kelly got some, like, inside the five, inside the ten. Um, carries and maybe made an impact by uh, scoring a couple touchdowns, so that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me. For sure, I you know
3: I think there is definitely an opportunity for Joshua Kelly to come in and and steal some carries away from Eckler and, and Justin Jackson. And yeah, you know, I'm hoping Justin Jackson. I I'm rooting for him. I hope that he can stay healthy. It'll be really interesting to see what a full season of Justin Jackson looks like. But you know, I want to move on to the quarterback discussion a little bit. You know. Reed mentioned Tyrod Taylor. Jason mentioned Justin Herbert a little bit. It, we've had several discussions on the podcast about what should the Chargers do with Justin Herbert? Should they play him right away? Should they let him sit for a year? Should they wait and see what Tyrod can do uh, until the bye week? Like, So I want to know what you guys think. How should the Chargers handle Justin Herbert in 2020? And uh, we'll start with Tyler Gallagher on this one.
6: Yeah, um, I think. It is, you know, what Coach Lynn has been saying is it's an open competition. You know, we'll get there and we'll see. Tyrod has a bit of a lead. But unless Justin Herbert shows something really good in camp, I think there's no way you don't just start Tyrod the whole season. Herbert just really needs to learn to read NFL defenses, get used to NFL speed, and he just can't have his confidence killed. Based on what I've seen from him, he just kind of seems like a classic overthinker. He's a super smart guy, but he's you know, overthinks when he gets out in the field. And you don't want him doing that on NFL defenses, you know. He needs to be like Philip Rivers in a way. You you see a guy, you know what he's going to do and just throw it before he's even open. And he's got the arm to do that if he's able to make that read. So I think Tyrod for 16 games, unless there's an injury or Herbert shows something really good.
3: Totally understandable. Faustino, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: I think the same thing. I don't think Herbert is ready to start at all. I need to. They, I think they need to keep him on the sidelines until he's ready because we've seen too many guys just get ruined when they get too early. When they get on the field too early. So for me, I hope Tyrod holds his own for 16 games, uh, so they can keep Herbert, you know, out on the sidelines and maybe next year he can have a shot.
3: Yeah, I, you know, Mister Reed over here, you've you kind of pumped up Cam Newton a bit. Are you <laughs> are you playing Tyrod? Are you signing Cam Newton? Are you you know? Maybe giving well, Kaepernick a workout, like what would, how do you see this working out and what, what do you think the Chargers should do?
4: Well, the cam, the, that ship has already sailed. Uh, I've yeah. given up. I've, I've waved the white flag on that one. <laughs> um, as much crap as I give Tyrod and the Chargers starting him, if the season goes as planned and everything goes right, then Tyrod should be starting 16 games. Um, you know, and I hope he proves me wrong. My biggest, kind of concern with Tyrod is I feel like our roster is so good and we're in this transitional year I say we as we're part of the team the Chargers are in this transitional year you got a lot of guys freed up next year I'm scared terribly of this blowing up in Anthony Lynn's face and Tyrod not being ready and then kind of Lynn takes the fall because that's Lynn's guy and I love Anthony Lynn I don't want him to be fired but if there's another 5 and 11 4 and 12 season I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Telesco is like hey let's get a new guy in for Herbert to start over. If that's the case, you know, I'm scared of guys not wanting to re-sign. It's a transitional year. Yeah. And I think that's been my biggest concern with all this. And Tyrod's solid. Um, my biggest thing is, you know, down two, down a touchdown, two minutes left in the game, I don't know if he's the guy that's going to win those games. And the Chargers are always in those games. That's why I'm so concerned about it.
3: Yeah, in our Bolt Beat Slack, Alex and Jason Reed, have been kind of going at this this topic. So, Alex, <laughs> I'll
5: let you respond to the – to that statement by Mr. Reed? Um, I think the thing, so start with Herbert. Um, I think that he probably isn't ready yet. So, I mean, barring like the Chargers season going totally south, you know, they're four and nine or whatever. And, you know, then maybe you throw Herbert in or something uh, for the last couple of games or in the total opposite situation, like maybe the Chargers clinch a playoff spot by like week 15, I'm dreaming, but <laughs> it could happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then maybe you throw him in the last two weeks, right? But other than that, no, I wouldn't play him uh, at all in the season. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm very comfortable with Tyrod as a starting quarterback and I don't think that they... I think... Not that I think that he's Alex Smith, per se. I don't think he's that good. Um, but I think he can play that type of um, game manager role without uh, turning the ball over too much. Um, and... I think something that isn't really gotten from a national media perspective is, like, you know, I love Philip Rivers as much as the next guy, but he played the Madison games last year. I mean, you know, if anyone remembers the two straight weeks of, you know, three and four picks against KC and <laughs> Oakland, I Brutal. mean, that was a disaster. Um, and that's not to say it was all his fault, you know, there were a lot of different um, things going on last year. but. You know, I think that if they have a quarterback who has some mobility, which I think gives the uh, offensive line a little bit of more margin for error, um, and he can keep some plays alive, uh, throw less picks, I mean, I think that's a decent formula to a 9-7, and seven, maybe 10-6 type season. Um, you know, so I just, I get why people are hesitant on Tyrod. I mean, he hasn't played since, you know, the Buffalo days, um, you know, in a full, like, uh, season. But... I think that this roster is much better than what he had in Cleveland and Buffalo. Jason,
3: Ballier, any thoughts to our uh, co-writers thoughts? Reed
1: will never be able to convince me that Tyrod is not a good option. It's never happening. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care how, how long this, this goes for. I I don't know. I, maybe it's blind faith. You know, I am guilty as charged of, hey. of finding a player I like and almost being blind to their faults to an extent. And it just happens, you know, you you find players you really love in this sport and you're just like, you know, that's that's my guy, it doesn't really matter what goes wrong. And we saw that with Philip Rivers with a lot of people, you know, like Alex said he played out of some games. He played the Chargers out of some games where they should have won and he just kind of melted down. And you know, you still saw a lot of fans that were just like, no, that's still my quarterback. And you, know, you can't fault it. And as frustrated as I got as a, as a boat rider writer, where I was just like, guys, this is, this is not healthy. Um, you, you understand it because no matter what it is, Keenan Allen was my favorite player. And in a year where he had a lacerated kidney and then a torn ACL back-to-back, to back, everybody was thinking, I'll trade him, and get him out. We don't have room for this. And I was like, I, I, I think that he can work out, though. I think he can be the best receiver the Chargers have ever had. And so I feel like we get blind to these players a little bit. And I think that's happening to me a little bit,
7: just a little
1: bit, (laughs) tiny little bit, with Teron Taylor, where it's just, I I really want this guy to succeed. And, you know, you see the same thing from Lynn. And he talks about Teron Taylor, and he's like, I really want this guy to have a chance because I think he can be a starter in this league. And, you know, there is a point there where, you look at other quarterbacks around this league, like there's Mitchell Trubisky's out there. Uh, Josh Rosen keeps getting chances somehow. Uh, Case Keenum was the starter for the Broncos, which was awful. But, you know, these players that are not as good as Terah Taylor are getting a lot of chances in the NFL where I'm just thinking I, I would take Terah Taylor over quite a few quarterbacks out there. When I look at the rosters and I looked at, look at these QB depth charts down the league, they're, I wouldn't take fifteen quarterbacks over to Rod Taylor in this league. There's, I, I would say he's in there in the top fifteen. I looked at Jason Reed's face right there, and he, <laughs> he does not agree. But you know, I go through this list of top fifteen, and you start including guys that you just you go, eh, I don't know about that. And so for me, and like I said, maybe there is a, a blind faith here, just because I'm really starting to like the thought of Tyrod Taylor as the starter and uh getting attached i just i really feel like this isn't like this could be his moment right and you know like i said the bias could be there but that's just my gut feeling
3: yeah yeah we're all entitled to to what we are are seeing and the emotion the emotional aspect of football cannot be overstated enough just because you know we like these players and we're so attached to them um so I have a feeling there's going to be a common consensus here, but I do want to talk about our biggest concern for the charter season. Like if there's one player or position or coach or, or a stretch of the schedule that we are most concerned about going forward in 2020, uh, we can start this discussion with Alex. Alex, who or what are you most concerned about in 2020?
5: Uh well there's a couple things. So I think the depth at the offensive line scares me because I I, I remember Jason said it a couple podcasts ago but like if Brian Balaga goes down that's like you know right. we're we're screwed.
7: <laughs> right. You know.
5: Um, um and you know there's depth at like some other positions too like you know what happens if like Linval Joseph got hurt or something then like you know what would happen right so the depths I would say on the Uh, offensive line and then the interior of the defensive line scare me a little bit but in terms of schedule uh, that last month of the season scares me because that is Denver, uh, KC and uh, the Raiders back to back and Chargers laid a goose egg in divisional games last year and so like you know having three divisional games back to back that could pretty much determine whether the team is in the playoffs or not um, that does scare me a little bit
3: Yeah, they're probably going to have to win at least two of those games if if everything goes their way or not. Uh, Tyler, your biggest concerns for the 2020 season?
6: Yeah, um, I'm kind of along the same lines of Alex. You know, there really isn't a single spot on this roster where there's a starter, and I think this guy's a huge problem. Like, I'm really okay with Trey Pipkins having a shot. He gave a good amount while he was there in last season. Tyra Taylor, I'm okay with, you know, but depth is there's so many positions where things could really go wrong you know if you lose Keenan Allen you lose our right tackle Brian Bulaga. you lose anyone in the interior of the D line you know things can go wrong pretty fa- fast right so yeah depth at a lot of positions is a problem for me but you know any roster is going to have some of those holes you just gotta pray see what happens
3: yeah health is always the the key determining factor for at least the charters and you know Hey, on the bright side, Trey Pipkins has a beard now, guys. So, you know, Ooh. Pipkins with a beard, maybe that that elevates him a little bit more. Uh, Faustino, your concerns, your biggest concern for the 2020 season?
2: Well, there's a couple of tough games at the beginning of the season, and the Chargers are no strangers to to uh, slow starts. But for right. me, it's also the last three games. I mean, at the Raiders, then we get the Broncos at home, and, and we finish the season at Kansas City. And the Chargers, they haven't been good at divisionals. So if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to, you know, uh, those last three games, they're going to have to win two of those. And I don't think – well, I want to say that they're going to win two of those, but I don't don't know. I mean, the Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champs and the Broncos just got a lot better. The Raiders, well, they're still the Raiders and they're still a divisional rival. So I think anything can happen in those games.
1: For sure. The Raiders are still the Raiders is my favorite thing said so far. <laughs>
2: There's yeah. a lot of
3: comfort in those words. There, they had a confusing off season for sure, uh, Mister Reed. Your biggest concern for the 2020 season? Uh, you say Tyrod Taylor?
1: I'm, okay, I'm, spinning, it. This.
4: I'm spinning this. Uh, the one thing, okay, so the one thing that has concerned me around Tyrod Taylor, not Tyrod Taylor himself is he's never played behind a really bad offensive line. And everyone talks about the weapons he, he didn't have in Buffalo. Uh, if this offensive line implodes, like Alex was saying, Blaga gets hurt and Pipkins doesn't work out, they're screwed at the tackles. Like, I don't know how he's going to play, and that scares me. Um, but what, what really sucks is the Chargers got screwed on the scheduling. Uh, you look at the Broncos, who are the biggest competition for second in the division. They play, you know, the Saints, the Bucks at home. They get their, their second-place game against the Titans at home. Meanwhile, the Chargers have to play the Bucks and the Saints back-to-back on the road. They have to go travel into Miami, where they're historically terrible. They have to play Buffalo on the road, another team that Denver gets to play at home. And it's just this team isn't usually a traveling team. I know they kind of shook that in 2018, but it that worries me. They really did not get any favors with the scheduling.
3: Yeah, back-to-back weeks in Tampa Bay and then New Orleans is tough. You know, granted, there might not be fans, so maybe that's a little bit easier. But, but they travel a lot this year, which which is a yeah. big concern for me as well. Uh, Jason, your biggest concern for this season? Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there there's a
1: lot of things I could be worried about. Um, what does the team look like without Philip Rivers? Like, we we just went over how they're not very good against Miami, right? Right read. Uh, historically they're not good against Miami. Well, what is that going to look like with Justin Herbert or Terod Taylor? You know, yeah. quarterback can change everything. Yeah. So you can't really look at history anymore because there's, there's no more history left on the team. You know, Gates is gone. Floyd is, um, uh, gone and rivers is gone. It's not much left here. Yeah. It's, the oldest player is approaching to be uh Keenan Allen. So, um, that that's, that's a real concern for me. It's just not knowing what to expect. And another thing we talked about was um, the goose egg against the, the Raiders, the Broncos and the chiefs. There was one very big reason that all three of those teams whooped the chargers. And, you know, this isn't a anti rivers podcast episode, I swear, but <laughs> there, there, he was a big reason that like he just imploded in those games and we didn't really understand it um and so with a new quarterback what is that going to look like you know even if you know Tyrod taylor goes out there throws no touchdowns no picks i think no touchdowns and no picks would have won those games at some points um so it's it's i think that's a concern for me is unfamiliarity i don't know what's gonna happen whereas you know you can kind of sense when philip rivers was going into a week or you're just like well this is um this kind of is a worst nightmare kind of game. Whereas with Taylor and Herbert, we don't really know. We don't know what to expect when we go and play or when the Chargers go and play the Oakland Raiders or the Denver Broncos. We don't know what Taylor and Herbert are going to do about that. They, we don't know how they're going to react. So definitely just that lack of familiarity up in the air. Everything's up in the air. There's no, it's basically a coin toss right now on what's, going to happen with herbert how he's going to develop so um in short everything (laughs) everything that's a good way to say that (laughs) definitely
3: is a lot of a lot of stuff up in the air but that can bring a lot of excitement too uh i do want to ask you know i'm not going to ask by name here but are we buying drew lock and the broncos what are we expecting out of denver this year
1: i'm buying the broncos i don't know if i'm buying drew lock yet I liked what I saw from Drew Locke. I kind of liked him in college. I, I thought he was I thought a second round pick on him was was pretty good. I didn't like him as a first round pick, but I thought a second round pick spent on Drew Locke is pretty decent. So I mean, it really depends on that. I'm not sold on drew lock yet. I, I'm just not I've seen a lot of quarterbacks in this league uh, find success and when they come in as like this interim quarterback at the end of the season. And I've seen a lot of them fail and then go into the next season and have success. So it's, it really depends. Like Patrick Mahomes, he didn't look that great in his week 17 game against the Broncos, I believe. Right. Uh, But then he played the chargers next and in week one of the next year. And I have hated everything ever since then. (laughs) So, you know, with, I don't know if I buy drew lock yet. I really don't, but I do buy what the Broncos are trying to do.
4: I have a question for you, Jason. And obviously there's a lot left that needs to happen and hindsight's 2020. We don't have that hindsight yet. Would you rather have the Chargers selected Drew Locke over Jerry Tillery and used same result last season. Drew Locke sat a year behind rivers and then used that pick this year on Simmons slash a tackle slash whatever they wanted to do. Knowing but, you're not a big Herbert fan.
1: There is a lot of hindsight there. And I would say yes. <laughs>
4: um,
1: because. You know, having a quarterback last year, a rookie quarterback last year, obviously he would already be he would have already learned by now. Yeah. Here's the thing Herbert is not learning behind Rivers and Taylor. Herbert is just learning behind Taylor. That's yeah. true. If Locke was taken last year, Locke would have learned behind Rivers and Taylor. I feel like that would have been a much better situation. But the Chargers got caught in a situation where they needed interior D-line. They really yeah. did. So I can't fault them for it. I really can't because that was, after that Patriots game, I think that's all you can do. You just think, well, we need somebody to help against the run. And, you know, you look at Tillery, like his physical profile, and you think, just put him there, and he should be fine, right? right. You know, at least stop. I don't think they expected Tillery to have more time on his butt than in the backfield. <laughs> but, I mean, so in hindsight, yes, I would have liked to draft Drew Locke. Um, but I understand why they didn't and I understand why they're in the position they're in now. So I, I'm not mad at it.
4: Yeah. I was super high on Locke last year when I still wrote for uh, LA sports hub, I was writing drew lock to the chargers at 26 or seven or eight, whatever pick they had last year. Um So yeah, I'm pretty high on the Broncos though. I, like I said, they get all their hardest games at home and they have the best natural home field advantage, which is going to come into play. If there's no fans, even they're, yeah. they have the best home field advantage, there's no question.
3: That's a good point.
4: And uh, I know their defense isn't great on paper, but they still allowed the eighth-fewest points per game last year, and they have a good defensive head coach, so they're going to play up to that. Um, they surrounded him with weapons. They remind me of the Rams, 2017 Rams. They really do. Like, I see, like, 11-5, you know. Probably won't make it far in the playoffs. They're a year away from being, like, real good, but it worries me how much I like the Broncos roster.
1: So they'll be good until they have
3: to pay Drew Locke.
4: Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> right,
3: cool. Any other thoughts on the Broncos?
5: Uh, I'm mixed on the Broncos. I'm not really high in either direction. But uh, uh, Reed asked, uh, "Would I like Isaiah Simmons?" Is what I got from his question. <laughs> and the, the answer was yes.
3: <laughs> For those who don't know, Alex was as high on Isaiah Simmons as anybody could possibly be on any prospect ever. How can you not
2: be?
5: Yeah. I mean, I had a, basically a weekly column devoted to Simmons propaganda. I mean, (laughs) 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 um, but yeah, um, yeah, no, so I was high on Simmons, but yeah. So the Broncos, I don't know. I mean, I'm high there. I don't really get why they signed Melvin Gordon. I don't understand that still. Uh, I feel like they could have just gone with Philip Lindsay and yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I like Locke, but yeah, I think as Jason said, I think more sample size is needed because, you know, I I remember everyone got so excited after, you know, uh, Jimmy G played five games and Jimmy G, you know, he's been good, but he hasn't, you know, especially last year, you know, it was the Niners defense that carried him, I mean, to the Super Bowl. So it's like, I don't know, I don't get super, um, as Jason said, super high on the small sample.
6: I can very well see Drew Locke having a regression kind of like Baker Mayfield did. Just people trying to get to figure out his style and what he's doing. But if you look at that receiving core, like he's got some weapons to work with.
1: And he's got the arm to use them.
6: Yeah. KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton's just deadly. You're going to need three good corners to stop that. That's
1: the charge do <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I think all, all of those players get to learn and grow together so that, I think that is the scariest part to me is that if Drew Lock hits and I, I think personally I do like Drew Lock a lot You know, the Chargers have to go against this potential crazy offense for the next 10-15 years uh, Faustino any thoughts on the Broncos before we move on to the next question
2: uh, I like what they did in defense uh, their defensive line especially that Jurel Casey acquisition yeah, and especially in a year, like the players having a year under Big Fangio, I think that's gonna do a lot too. But yeah, I think the Broncos are for real, sadly. A bone sadly, to pick
1: yeah. with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, like what did they give a seventh round pick for yes. Casey?
3: Yeah. Oh, <sighs> well, it's because they have that rookie uh, Jeffrey Simmons that they took to the. Really I don't here. care. <laughs> I really don't.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Like at yeah. least like. Keep him, rotate him, do pennies something. Pennies on the dollar.
3: Yeah, that trade is pennies on the dollar for sure. Weird. It is weird. weird. Thanks for so, reminding me about that, Faustino. Mm. <laughs> it is it, it's definitely an acquisition that not a lot of people are talking about. And I, you know, unfortunately, that defensive line is it's gonna be really scary this year. So I wanna wanna wrap this discussion up a little bit. You know, we're gonna talk some breakout players, Jason and I and Tyler previously had this conversation. And then your prediction, do the Chargers make the playoffs or do they not? and why so we'll start that one off with Faustino, your potential breakout player and do they make the playoffs or not
2: i'm gonna go hopefully nazi nazi ratherly i hope he you know healthy out season he gets to show what he what he has and they are also saying he's gonna get a shot at outside cornerback and everything so he's gonna get the opportunity i just hope he he's talented enough to make the most of it and they're if they're gonna make the playoffs, i'm not sure there's a lot there's been a lot of changes in the team and I'm cautiously optimistic, but usually when I'm, you know, optimistic about the Chargers, they find a way to mess it, mess it all up. <laughs> so <laughs> I I think they make it, especially with that seventh uh, playoff spot, but I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just cautiously optimistic, as you said. I hope they make it. They they can make it, but I'm not sure it happens.
3: I like how you said that, cautiously optimistic. That's like our lives as Charters
5: fans.
3: (laughs) Um, Tyler, your thoughts, breakout player, and do they make the playoffs or not?
6: Yeah. Sorry, Faustino. Um, Masir Adderley isn't going to be playing free safety because Rayshawn Jenkins, he's got that spot (laughs) locked down. (laughs) Not an elite safety, okay. But – Last year, he started 16 games for the first time in his career, and it's not in his natural position at all. He had no business playing as a free safety, really. But, you know, he progressed a lot throughout the year, got a lot better in coverage. And, you know, his main fault is really just having awful uh, angles on his pursuits. And hopefully, Ron Miles can get that out of the system eventually. Yeah. But in the new defensive system they're working on where you know it's going to be a little more positionless that's going to work to his favor a lot more than what he has been doing kind of getting back into a strong safety suit a little bit while also working on what he has been progressing with so Rayshon Drinkens is my breakout player will the charge make a playoffs I gotta say it's 50-50 um, I think with the offense it's going to be kind of predicated on time management and keeping the time of possession up I could very well see that working out pretty well for us but if they get behind early you know get against Patrick Mahomes and get down 14 quickly then I don't see a good chance of making it up but when you've got an offense that's a good time of possession offense paired with a really really strong defense there's good potential to get pretty far in the playoffs so I could see it but let's say 50-50 for now.
1: Well, no you bi- are a smart man, man because at all. So no business pr- playing free safety at all is the name of the Chargers sex tape. I swear they get off to that. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Jalila <Dye, laughs> Ray Sean Jenkins. It's just the way we're going. I cannot
3: wait for them to announce Kenneth Murray at free safety. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that would be hilarious. Uh, Alex, your thoughts, breakout player
5: and do they make the playoffs? Uh, I guess it might break up player. I mean, I just wrote about him, but it was uh, Drew Tranquil. Um, I think that you know they put him. I mean, Thomas Davis is gone, um. So I assume they're probably going to slide him into middle linebacker, and pretty quickly he'll usurp uh Perriman. I guess Perriman's still there. Um, but yeah, so I think he'll be there pretty quickly. He was second in tackles last year with like drastically fewer snaps played than a lot of other players. Um. So he's a good tackler. Um, he has decent, uh, decent kind of uh, uh, coverage skills. I think so. I could see him uh, breaking out, especially since I think weak side um, you're going to have uh, Kenneth Murray there. So I could see those two being really good pairing and uh, triangle breaking on uh, the second season. Uh, as far as the playoffs, uh, I'm leaning like sixty forty. Yes. Um, so I guess I'll be the first like yes on this show. Um, I think, well, first they're going to have an added wild card. So that is, uh, that I think is a boost to them. Uh, and I don't know. I just buy, yeah. As, um, Tyler was saying, if they have this really great defense, uh, which I think they have the potential to have, especially with Derwin James, uh, back for, you know, hopefully a full year. Yeah. Um, so they have him back for, with a really great defense, um, a uh, solid game manage type offense with uh, really high, like, uh, skill players like Eckler, Allen, um, you know, Henry when he's healthy. Um, so I think, yeah, if you have all those things, then I think that's a pretty solid 9-7, 10-6 type team, uh, like I said before. And uh, I don't know if I have them going deep in the playoffs, but I could easily see them being one of the uh, three wild cards. Listen, if Ryan Tannehill can take the Titans deep in the playoffs – I don't see why the (laughs) hell
3: Teron Taylor can't.
5: Right. That's fair. (laughs) Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Yep. All right, Reed, uh, wrap this up your breakout player and do they make the playoffs or not?
4: Uh, breakout player is kind of boring. I like Trey Pipkins. I really do. Yes. Uh, Yeah. yeah.
3: Let's go. I mean, he, he
4: had some blunders last year. Let's not pretend he didn't, but he put good tape together. Uh, one thing I didn't understand, and I don't know if anyone here is guilty of it, but so many Charger fans on Twitter were pissed that they didn't pick like a fourth or fifth round tackle, like forgetting that they picked Pipkins last year in the third round. Like, yeah. right. Is that fourth or fifth rounder really going to be better than what they have now?
1: I think um, it's more for depth purposes, absolutely, like if Bulaga but, goes down. But yeah, I agree.
4: Um, he's a developmental pick, and he's had, got a year under his system. I am concerned about there not being – a regular training camp and how that might affect them. But with camping and then learning from blog and whatnot, I think he's going to be solid. I mean, I hope he's going to be solid as far as the playoffs. So Alex said 60, 40. Yes. I guess I'll say 40, 60. Yes. So 60, 40. No, um, I haven't going eight and eight this year, but I could see them going as high as nine and seven, 10 and six, depending if a few things go their way. It all just depends on the other teams in the league. You know, so many moving parts, those last three weeks, tiebreakers. I think they'll be in the hunt for sure. Um, it's not gonna blow up and they're not gonna go three and thirteen like that one guy said. I don't even know his name. Don't even want to <laughs> say his name. Don't even want to say his name.
1: get it out of here.
4: Yeah. So I, I think eight and eight, and it's gonna be those fifty fifty balls, you know, that you know, those coin flip games that determine maybe them going seven and nine or going nine and seven. So we'll just see.
1: Like, so a typical Charger Chargers season, is yeah. Like- <laughs> Great.
4: True. I love it. I'm groomed to expect it.
3: (laughs) Right. Right. Well, this has been a great discussion. You know, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, And hopefully our listeners were able to put some, some voices to the names that you see, you know, reading will be, you know, we're all super busy as writers and and hopefully you enjoy the stuff that we are putting out. Um, So Alex and Tyler and Faustino and Jason Reed, thank you so much for joining us. Just one last thing real quick. Where can Chargers follow you on Twitter? And uh, any other thoughts that you might have about the Chargers season, feel free to shout them out.
4: So, to be a selfless and not shout myself out, they can follow Boltbeat at bb underscore Chargers on Twitter, and then we also have a Facebook page. It's just Boltbeat. Beat. Um, personally, if you want to follow me, it's Eat Your weedies like Eat Your Weedies, but my yeah, last yeah. name. Um, and then oh let's God. just hope. Uh, <laughs> let's just hope we don't have as many heartbreaking losses this year, because I lost a few years of my life last year.
1: I'd rather leaves. just get blown
4: out. <laughs> you haven't seen that already?
3: That's now my favorite Twitter handle.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I like it though. It makes a lot of sense. It works with where it works with the last name. Thank you. Yeah. Faustina, how about you? Uh,
2: so you can follow me at Twitter. It's at F Felix Ollea, Olea O-L-E-A. Uh, so thanks for having me. And I really hope this season doesn't decrease two or three years more of my life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Tyler, what about you?
6: Yeah, so I'm completely off Twitter. I'm an old timer and I didn't feel like I needed another social media. So I don't know. Follow me on Boltbeat. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can at Gallagher 13 But it's basically just my life. So if you have an interest in that, then sure. I'll call you back. Why not? <laughs> I call you guys.
5: <laughs> there we go. I like it. This
3: Any is my dog.
6: Thoughts? Yeah, this is my dog.
5: <laughs> Alex, what about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Alex Lance Dorf, AlexLancedorf. A-L-E-X-L-A-N-C-E-D-O-R-F. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you can follow me there. Uh, follow the site on BoldBeat. Uh, obviously Twitter. Um, I tweet out a lot of articles every day, so uh, you can just follow my Twitter there and, uh, yeah, uh, I guess that's about it. Awesome.
3: Well, this has been a great discussion. You guys, thanks so much for joining us. We are all very hopeful for the charger season and, and hopefully that there are no COVID restrictions. You know, I'm just happy that football is back and hopefully we are all at least able to go to games. Uh, you can follow me at Steven, I Hagland and at GC podcast 17. You can follow Jason Balier at Centauri 13. This has been the Guilty as Charged podcast. We'll see you next time.
7: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare.